this Sights and Sounds. I'm your host, Alan Kiger, and what you're about to listen to was previously recorded for a radio interview. This is Alan Kiger, and I'm speaking with Robert Mason today. How are you, Robert? I am doing well. How are you today? I'm doing great. Um, where are you calling from? Oh, I'm in the uh, desert southwest. Do you know where the Sonoran Desert is? Yes, I do. Well, I'm smack in the middle of it. Okay. <laughs> so is that uh, is that where you uh, live out west? Uh, yeah. I, you know, we, we live wherever the... The plane takes us and the hotel is and the show is most of the year, but yeah, this is, this is, this is home now. That's home now. Okay. Uh, Robert, let's start off when you were, when you were younger. Um, how old were you when you decided you wanted to be a singer? That's really weird. Uh, you know, you've been asked pretty much every question. These are cool questions, by the way. Thank you for, for not just saying, so how long have you been with the band? Uh, <laughs> Anybody can look at the first paragraph of the band's Wikipedia Correct. And, and know that. Um, you know, I was probably, uh, I've, I've sung, my earliest memories are singing with my mom and dad in the car, like three-part harmony when I was two or three. So it's been a part of my life forever. Uh, all of my life, we'll, we'll say. My dad sang a little. Music was always played in the house, but uh, probably, the sh- I, and there is no short answer because it's early and I've had coffee. So uh, the short, the short-ish answer is probably my late teens. Uh, kind of just my friends kind of tell a story of us being in a, in a basement band somewhere, and me just turning around and everybody, me having that look in my eye, and everybody saying, "Oh God, here he goes!" Like you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, they they kind of knew before I did from what from the stories they tell some of my old friends from school. So uh, it was uh, it was deep seated. It's a deep seated addiction and, and uh, hopefully not a problem. Well, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> my next question would be, who were your influences when you were younger and who influenced you the most? Well, like I said, my dad. Sang, okay. so I have his voice in my head most of my life. Well, actually, all of my life. So it's uh, it's difficult to say. You're. I think initially I was influenced by everything he listened to, everything my my mom and dad listened to around the house, everything I heard on early radio. Uh, I was born in the late '60s, so for me, it's kind of I became aware of all this stuff probably in the in the 70s, 80s, although I had early influences and, you know, from what my parents say, favorite songs when I was really, really young, whatever the, the pop and, and rock-based stuff of the day was. But once you start really listening to singers, uh, you know, past my dad's stuff, which is like, you know, Sam Cooke, Otis Redding, Sinatra, Elvis, the High Lows, the Four Freshmen, and all the all the 40s, 50s, 60s, up till doo-wop and all that stuff. I kind of took a real shine to a lot of the British blues stuff, uh, and I'm talking about Steve Marriott and Paul Rogers and Roger Daltrey and that sort of thing. Ian Gillen, probably a little too. So. There 
you go. You know, then then everything you see and hear you're influenced by when you're when you're young and formative like that. I agree. I really do. You got a lot of people there that uh, I think most people who are into music like listening to. Well, I mean, it depends on how long in the tooth you are, you know? <laughs> well, it sounds like I'm not, I'm not going to discuss your age here since we're on the air, but it sounds like we're probably... Oh, I don't care, man. I'm, you know, hey, I'm... I'm 52. Sounds like you listen to a lot of the same stuff I did when you were growing up and late yeah. 60s. So, next one, let's talk a little bit about the band. I'm going to lean that direction since you are the lead singer of Warrant. Uh, I'll just kind of... Um, you guys are, what I've researched, sold over 10 million albums um had a number one album and a number one song uh back out with a uh, dirty rotten filthy stinking rich um and then you had another multi-platinum with cherry pie and i'm going to go to a newer song and this this kind of uh this is probably one of my favorite newer songs of all time um but it's an old song Let's talk about and how this wound up on an album. Um, I think I'll just stay here and drink. You know, that's a great old Merle Haggard song. Uh, we had a uh, we had an association with uh, with Pro Bill Riders with PBR, and uh, once again, the the condensed story is uh, the CEO of the PBR wanted us to record a song, and. They, uh, you know, they come up with a theme song every year and that kind of thing. I think it got it got tossed around uh, by a few of us, and the Merle song came up, and I realized he had, had so many number ones. I mean, so many. Yeah. It, it was, you know, at least a couple of dozen number ones uh, throughout his career, and when I heard that song. It just pretty much goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It doesn't deviate. It's, uh, it's, you know, from the traditional, one of the traditional, I don't know, Americana country song sort of paths, talking about heartache and, you know, a relationship gone bad, and Merle would just rather stay here and drink than, you know, go do anything else. But, uh, I took a liking to the song, and we were in production doing a record. And uh, like I said, the CEO, Big Wigs, decided if uh, if we would cut that song, kind of reinterpret it in some way, and uh, and warrantize it, so to speak, if I'm gonna you know coin a term, yeah, put it in our style, so to speak, but still staying true to what what Merle did. Then they were going to use it as their theme song, and you know we get to a lot of exposure. I think I did the national anthem a bunch of times at uh, at PBR events, and then we would play a concert either before, during, or after the PBR event, which is always cool. Kind of takes us out of our element, but puts us in an arena playing a rock show, just like we're kind of used to through the years. So it it all worked, and uh, I kind of sat there with the song and one day just sat down I think I was at Joey Allen's house and we were recording in California so I was staying out of Joey's for a week uh, doing a bunch of tracking and I picked up a guitar and just started playing and then you know I, I it woke me up 
so I'm playing, playing, you know, in the early morning. Joy makes coffee, knocks on my door. He's like, hey, you want some coffee? I'm like, yeah, come and listen to this. And I put the song together sort of like a cross between Merle Warren and Leonard Skinner. If, if you know what I mean, like Southern rock. I don't mean a specific band, but right, yeah. When I, when I say Skinner, that's, that's just my go-to for, you know, kind of charged up Southern rock because I love all of that stuff growing up. Uh, and uh, when, he, when we got in the studio, the arrangement with the producer and, uh, and the band, and myself, we just we just figured, well, there's a guitar solo. Why don't we do multi guitar solos? Because in those, there are always several guitar players. Like there, you know, a few guitar players and at least two, if not three, in some of these bands. So we did a three section guitar solo where uh, Joey and Eric and I each took a little patch. Southern rock kind of blues licks. So I guess that's the treatment we did for that. Well, I'm and, that, and then they then they decided, well, we'll cut the song, we'll do a video, and then we got permission from the record company to clear the song and put it on our uh, on our album. So there you go. It's fantastic. I mean, I think it's a whole nother. Oh, I mean, I I love ideas like that where you take something that's just you guys treated it great, but you did something and you flipped it, flopped it, and it was the opposite. Um, and I can like it two ways. And well, man, you know the traditional, you know the original version. Oh, and the, yeah. You can't really, you know, the die's been cast. The lyrics are the lyrics. I didn't stray off that. No. Uh, I kind of just charged it up a little bit. And, you know, I only know how to sing how I can sing. And play how I can play. And my guys just kind of stepped up and rocked out on it. So I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased that you like that. I, I really appreciate that. Thanks. Well, let's go ahead and uh, let's let our listening audience listen to it. Uh, I think we'll just uh, listen to. I think we'll just stay here and dream. Yeah, man. Well, you know, you know your fan base. I'm, we're looking forward to coming to the show. Honestly, uh, it'll be cool to be back in that area, well, even if just for a night. I'll tell you, it's a brand new theater down there in Nashville where you guys are going to be playing March 14th. Um, Correct. I, I think it opened August 24th. Uh, brand new, beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been to Nashville, Indiana. Uh, kind of a little out of the way, quaint little town with neat little shops, great little restaurants. Um, man, man, we. I'm like Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. You've been everywhere, okay? <laughs> well, you're gonna like the theater. I'll just say that. Um, Very cool. It's it's a, it's a great place to to go and, and watch a show. It's a great place for your. If you're a fan to listen uh, from people I've interviewed, they like playing on the stage. So I think I think everybody will like that. Um, what are some of your hob- hobbies, Robert? Oh, I like anything mechanical. Uh, I like old cars and motorcycles. Uh, I'm into mechanical watches. I, I have a... I have a thing. I was the eight-year-old kid who had to have his own wristwatch, manual wind, wind it and set it every couple of days, you know. So I think that just sort of progressed as I aged. So now I go around hunting uh, certain watch brands I like. And as stated, I've got an affinity for everything that, uh, that still uses gasoline to run. So... Uh, so you're in the cars. Uh, what kind of cars are you into? What kind of bikes are you into? I've got new 
vintage American 50s, 60s, 70s stuff, uh, and uh, I've got a brand new Indian uh, motorcycle that just came out a few months ago, and I was like the first kid on my block to run to the dealership and make a deal and take one home, put it in my garage. So, but I've got an old 70s Honda, and I mean, I've got you know, it's always a rotating stock of stuff. I'm uh, I'm not a hoarder. I'm kind of into something for a while, and then I experience it, and I say, okay, what else is there? Because it's a big, you know, great big wide world out there. I understand that. It sounds pretty cool. Um, let's lead on to the next question here. This is a little little different than what the hobbies are. Um, you and Warrant, do you have any favorite charities? Something that's dear to your heart uh, that you know you guys do every year for a certain group, or what is it that you guys like to do? group we do several charity events a year for for a bunch of different uh specific causes but uh and that and that changes from year to year i've just got a soft spot for you know the standard stuff animals and our vets to be honest with you i've done a bunch of wounded warrior project events uh i've uh I've done events for catastrophically wounded war vets. I've got a friend who's got charity, uh, you know, and, and other people that I know that have, uh, like I said, specific stuff aside. I mean, the generality is: look, I'm. I realize I I have a wonderful life. I get to make people happy for an hour, forget their problems an hour or two, and for doing that, you know, I'm more than happy to to give. You know, either time, money, or both to basically people who are less fortunate or, as, as stated, I've always had a soft spot, you know, for animals. I'm a, I'm a dog lover, so I've done some time uh, either volunteering or, you know, or, or donating for animal shelter charities, that sort of stuff. Uh, there's a wonderful charity called uh, Warrior Canine Connection. Based, I believe, in Virginia or D.C. You know, on the East Coast, that place uh, trains service dogs with vets in need, and I've done a little bit of work with them. They're they're great people. I guess that uh, you know that's that's about where my heart lies. Well, appreciate you doing the charity, especially for the animals and uh, for the vets. That's a that's a big thing. You say you're a dog lover do you have a dog i've had a couple throughout my life i am uh i'm traveling a ton right now so for me having a dog is not the most fair thing to the animal okay so right now uh no all right um, but some of my best some of my best friends have been dogs some of your best friends. <laughs> the more people i meet the more i like dogs i agree i really do there's, <laughs> something, there's something special about a dog that just uh i don't know they're your best friend they don't. They don't betray you for anything. Well, no, and yeah, and the thing is, that's the. On one side, it's it's the it's the absolute best, not you know, unconditional love uh, in one aspect, and the unfortunate part is, you get them as long as you get them. You know, uh, you can do everything you can. Uh, I've been in that situation too. Uh, but they're, you know, it, it's it's one person's opinion. It's I've heard it said that. They're they're pretty much that perfect bond and love, so that's why maybe they don't 
lasts as long as we do. Yeah, it's it's tough you know? when you gotta when you gotta take them in on their last day. Um, well, it's, and that was where I was going. It's part of the contract you enter into. You know, I found a dog once. Found a, a really really young little pup walking around my neighborhood, and uh, nobody claimed him. And within a couple of weeks, you know, I couldn't take him to a shelter. Didn't know what was happening to him. I just kind of looked at him one day. I was like, "Well, damn it, you're my dog." You know, <laughs> I, I did not name him Dammit, by the way. That was not his name. There was a dog in town that ran around that was named that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's go ahead and listen to. Uh, I'm gonna. I want to play one of my favorite songs of Warren, uh, and that would be Uncle Tom's Cabin. And when we get done playing that, uh, we'll lead on to the next questions. Was there one place that I'm, I mean, I, I watch some of these schedules. I look at everybody's tour dates. You guys are touring around the country. You've been doing this for many years. Um, you were with a band called Lynch Mob prior to getting with Warrant. I'm going here for a long way to get to a simple question. Is there a city or a country that you would like to perform in that you have not performed in? Uh, I've never been to Australia or New Zealand. Uh, and I have, a, I have a good friend, a friend of the band, who's the ambassador to New, uh, New Zealand and uh, Samoa. So on one hand, I have an open invite whenever I have time off, which I've never taken advantage of because uh, I rarely have that much time off. But uh, it's funny because Cherry Pie was a, uh, was a big record in, uh, in Australia, in that part of the world. So that would be the cool thing for the 30th anniversary of, uh, of the Cherry Pie record is, uh, is a gig out there. Okay. And on the way back, we can stop in Hawaii, which is one of my favorite places. Okay, that's that's pretty cool. I like that. That's I've, been all, my... I've been almost everywhere, but that's a that's a where I, I haven't been to, so or played it. That's one of the places I've got on my list. I'm a sprint car junkie, so I I love uh, Australia because they like to race about as much as I do. So, uh, is the band working on any new music? And if so, when will we see it? The short answer is no. The longer answer is I guess we're always working on uh, something. We had uh, the, our area of concentration is was last year more so the 30th anniversary of the band's first record, Dirty Rotten, Filthy, Stinkin' Rich. And then 2020 marks 30 years for Cherry Pie. So in a nostalgia sense, uh, we wanted to do it this way, and we sort of owe history and our audience uh, a 30th anniversary party. So that's our focus for this year. But again, I'm always writing, and I can't put it, you know, off the table. But not this year. Uh, it, it takes a while to throw a record together because we don't want to just throw it together. Uh, takes a whole bunch of thought and everybody uh, putting their two cents in so to speak so you know it's something that's probably forthcoming we just don't have a solid date on it yet okay what is your favorite song to perform live well this is a question that's one of those go-to's that everybody asks oh, so <laughs> darn I should have asked something else then. okay that's not an insult but I, but it is something that you know it's it's a, it's kind of one of those expected questions uh 
not a cop out. I swear it isn't. But on any given night, there's a certain energy that you get back doing what I do from the audience. Right. That would be my favorite song of that particular night, honestly. And and that really, I really do mean that. I hope that doesn't no 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 come, come off as goofy to say because some nights the most unexpected track. You'll you'll throw it out there, and maybe it's a combination of the band, the way the band is selling it, and the energy, and that, and you know, and people getting swept up. If I'm doing my job, I'm trying to get everybody to sing and scream along. When all those factors come together, you get that reaction. It can be a, a different song every night. It's not just something that the audience has heard a billion times. It's not just Cherry Pie, or it's not just Uncle Tom's, or I Saw Red, or Evan, or any of those. It's sometimes, like I said, it can be in a a somewhat obscure track that you thought only diehard fans dig and it's just the way the band does it and that's the thing about being human you put on as consistent a show as you could possibly do and that's my goal uh as anybody who's trying to do anything well i guess if you get to that point you're like okay you got your highs and lows but i'm shooting for you know everybody it's you shoot for tens every night but but even just to hit sevens, eights, and the occasional nine, you know, like if you take the attitude of perfection doesn't exist, but you shoot for it every time, you put on a great show every time you can to the best of your ability on that given night. That's the best you can do. It's the same way with the with the energy in an audience. Sometimes they just all come together, and honestly, you get that energy back. That's what fuels me for a show. And sometimes the energy, well, what I see, I've never never been on stage performing, but you go to these things and you hear all the songs that you want to hear, and some nights it's it's literally like electricity struck the building. And some nights it's like somebody forgot to plug in the electricity. And it's just, <laughs> it's just how the people in the audience react to it. Um, I, can, I can see what you're saying. So but we, we really do. By and large, we have really great fans. I mean, it's the... It's, continues our ability to do this which is to me the the most gracious thing they could do you know I, I i understand if you're fans of the band and you if you just like the music that's cool you can stand there and just close your eyes and listen to the music live if you uh, much more something i'd much more prefer if you get into the energy of it you're standing up you got your fist in the air you're throwing up you know, throw the metal horns up in the air, whatever, whatever is your thing to do, you know, light your, light your lighter, put your cell phone up in the air, scream along with the song, sing along, sing with your friends. Everybody's got smartphones now, so all these recordings happen. It's funny. You put a recording up, and the first thing I do is listen to what it sounds like. If you can barely hear me, but you can hear all the people around the cell phone singing, even if they're singing a little out of key, it's still really cool because you get the the feeling of what it was like to be there. Uh, but really being there is the thing. I mean, I throw every ounce of everything I have out, as I said, on any given evening for any given set that we decide to play in every city. And I just hope it's my goal is to get everybody to come along for the ride and buy into it. You know, everybody there in that crowd should be as excited as we are. And we, we have a cool job. We have fun doing it. We still get to connect with fans that still dig it. So, I mean, hey, what's bad about that? Nothing. Rock and roll sounds great. 
I could be doing a whole lot worse things. So, <laughs> <laughs> what a what an easy way to make a hard living. Uh, I think the film. Yeah, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say it's easy, but yeah. Yeah, to make a hard living, you know, it's. That's I'm, the joke. I'm, of I'm course, on the Bellamy Brothers song there. Well, Robert, we've come to the uh, the end of our interview. Uh, I want to remind fans again to get out March 14th. This is going to be down at the Brown County Music Center. Um, is there anything you want to tell the fans before we let them go? What should they expect? Um, any any wishes from you? It's the 30th anniversary of the of the Cherry Pie record, so we're gonna play a lot of those songs, if not all of them, on that night. Uh, we always kind of jumble around the order. We're still kind of working that out. I guess we it's a it's an ongoing process, but but the thing is, it's a celebration of that record. That doesn't mean that we're not gonna play songs off Dirty Rotten. It doesn't mean we're not gonna throw a new song or two in, or some doggy dog songs. It's it's about the experience. People get to show up, like you said, at that cool venue and uh, and just enjoy themselves. Have fun. You know, if you're if you're not necessarily a warrant fan, go go with a warrant fan. All right. You know, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll turn you on to some music you haven't heard ever, let alone in a little while. So uh, you know, the diehards are are our lifeblood. But turning a new person on to what we do is a cool thing as well. So I'm looking forward to all of it. Okay. Well, Robert, thanks for uh, sticking here on the radio. And fans down there, March 14th to the Brown County Music Center. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Thank you. This is Alan Kiger, and I hope you've enjoyed the interview on Sights and Sounds. The music that frames this podcast is the original music of Paul Myrie.